White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 691. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. From the Palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and somewhere in mysterious Ohio... It's the Babylon 5, it's the White Rocket Babylon 5 review podcast. Andy, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, and we're in Cincinnati, Ohio, not Mysterious, Ohio. Cincinnati, one of the four corners of the news world, right? New York, London, Paris, Cincinnati. <laughs> the four, that was WKRP, that was their bit with Les Lesman. Yes, well, yeah. it is. It is the White Rocket Babylon 5 review podcast, and man, are we up for a big one tonight. Woo, baby. We're, in fact, doing this over two parts, as we've talked about doing before. We've, It's funny. We fell into the two-parter thing kind of by accident. Um, I guess it was after, was it after Severed Dreams that you were not available that week, and I just did another yes. episode of commentary, and yep. then we, we kind of did it with another one, maybe War Without End or, Shad- or Zaha Doom, maybe. I forget. I think it was Zaha Doom. I think so, too, yeah. yeah. It might have been, been War Without End as well. Well, okay. For the really so, big episodes, we decided it, it, it worked well. Yeah, so we've done two-parters on those, and so we're going to do that tonight because this is a pretty big one, and we have quite a few comments and questions from our patrons, and uh, as you heard on the little show intro just now, if you want to join up and become a patron and uh, join our little community and uh, put questions and comments out for our show, just go to www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. We would love to have you because we love our patrons. They help us keep the show going. We don't have commercials. There's no ads that are going to suddenly interrupt this show, Andy. It's like it's just you and me. Yep. I, you, you know, go. I was listening to a podcast today and, and the guy was interrupting every like five minutes with a new a new sponsor or a, a an ad or something like that. It's it's yeah, it's so crazy. And I've I love that we can do this and not have and and I just, I mean I get I get emails and stuff for ads, you know, people want to do ads on my podcast and I just delete them because yeah. I don't want to do it. I would rather the the listeners you know, do the part that they're willing to do. And that's what we do. So, all right, on to business. Um, Remember, by the way, we are now on Audible and Spotify and Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts and Podbean. I don't, I don't say that enough, but we're all over the place. We are, we are nigh ubiquitous in terms (laughs) of, uh, in terms of uh, Babylon 5 podcasts. So we're easy to find. We are easy to find. So tonight's episode uh, did I introduce myself? I'm just kind of all giddy and all over the place because I'm so excited about the episode we're talking about tonight. We know you're I Andy Fix. You yeah, I I'm, am. And I'm Van Allen Plexico. There we go. Just to be sure. We are looking at 406 
Into the Fire. Into the Fire. I see. I should have had the docking song queued up again. I played it last time. Into the Fire. But anyway, this is a big one. A really, really big one. And it is so big, it's going to go over into two of our podcast episodes. So, Into the Fire, Andy. Do you want to describe this one? Or you want me to describe this one? Uh, go ahead and describe this one. I, 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 I want to give you a chance every once in a while. Well, but I just cheat and use like the... Um, the, the, the lurker's guide description, <laughs> right. which is about as vague as it possibly could be. They, I, I, I might change. For once, I'm going to do my own. Here's what the lurker's guide says. The Army of Light mounts its final assault, and there's definitely final to that, and Londo learns some surprising information about Morden. I, you could, that's like the most understated description I've ever heard. <laughs> I would describe this episode as this is the grand finale climax of the Shadow War, okay, and of everything that's been happening with Mr. Morden and Centauri Prime and Londo and Veer. So this is like, when this episode is over, all we really have left, aside from individual character arcs, is the Earth War. That's the main right. big plot left, the, the President Clark. That one's kind of been on the back burner for a while. Have you noticed that? It definitely has been, yeah. It's barely even come up this season so far. It's, it's like right. we got through... Once we kind of got towards Shadow Dancing and Zaha Doom at the end of season three, Pres- President Clark's been MIA on this sh- MIA on this show for a while. It's this yeah. it hadn't been a thing. The only hint that we've had of anything going on with that is uh, the the Psycor, um messing Gar- with um, Michael Garibaldi. Yeah. Yep, that's true. So it's 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 still there, and it, when the Earth Force comes back, it comes back in a big way. Oh, so big way, yeah, th- for sure. Yeah. Th- but you notice, though, that we didn't even... I was going to say we barely got Franklin, and we really didn't. I mean, we got we got the actor that plays Franklin uh, playing yep. on the show, but not really Franklin. Right. We haven't had Franklin hardly this season. And we didn't... It just dawned on me we didn't even have Garibaldi. I don't... Did we have nope. Garibaldi last week? We did not. We had Garibaldi for a little bit last week. Not much. Oh, that's right. He, but he wasn't happy. Yeah. Right. Well... <laughs> yeah. Well, he's Garibaldi. But, right. yeah, I, I kind of hate... You know, it's like if everybody was going to be in just one episode, I wish it could have been this one. Yes, I agree. Instead of the summoning. Was, right, because it was such a such a huge episode, not just for the season, but but for the entire series. You know, mm-hmm. it was yeah. a culmination of so much. You'd figure that they would have found a way to, to work everybody in, but there really wasn't room for Garibaldi. I mean, what, what could he have done, you know? Yeah. No, I, t- I know. Him and Franklin, too. and Well, I guess... Um, and I don't guess even Lanier was barely in this one, if at all. I don't. He was on the ship a little bit with yeah. with uh, yeah. with uh, um, Delenn and, and Sheridan, and then That's he showed right. up in in the um, interrogation scene with Delenn when the shadows had her. We're, we're talking to her during the big battle. Remember when? Oh, as Sher- again, Sheridan went with yeah, kind of like kind of like Franklin. It wasn't really Franklin, him, but yeah. it was the actor, right? right. Okay, right, I, right, yeah, right. I got you now. Yeah. I got you now. Um, yeah, I, I well, you know, one of the factoids that we do have, I'll go ahead and mention, is that this episode was supposed to be a two-parter. But really? It was. It was one of the. That was one of the casualties of cramming everything into one season, is that JMS squeezed it down to one episode, and he said he pretty much got everything in it that he would have. I suspect what he took out were some extended char- character things, like with Garibaldi, with Franklin, that would have at least let them be there. You right. know, for that part of the story, it kind of sucks that Garibaldi was there for everything leading up to this, and then when it finally comes around, he's totally MIA. So, but he is more 
earth force oriented anyway yeah all of his true. all of his his character arc and all of his experience and even most of the 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 episodes that focused on him it was was earth force centric so i i think the role he plays going forward is, was was much more Garibaldi than than him being because he you know he flew a, a Star Fury but he really wasn't a pilot you yeah. know a, a fighter pilot I mean I I just don't know what he would have done in this episode. No, it's a good point. I yeah I I, I feel like they could have tried to do something with him being suspicious of Lorian, but that would have just stretched out in a whole other direction mm-hmm. because. Because Lorian didn't get to do a whole lot either, you know. Right. And, you know, another thing I thought was really interesting was that Lorian ended up doing what Drawl was basically introduced to the show to do, which is be the audio, right. vi- be the audio-visual guy. Right. <laughs> Drawl was the AV kid on Babylon <laughs> 5, right? And, and Lorian ended up using magical powers to do Drawl's thing because Drawl is way back on Epsilon 3 and they're at Coriana 6. So, right. That always bugged me is that it seemed like they had built up to where Drawl was actually going to have something to do in letting everybody know what's going on, and then they end up kind of giving it to a different character to do. And I think that was just Jameis's writer side. Just, I mean, when you have too many characters involved in a plot, you know, yeah. you, you cut and combine extraneous characters and yeah. give you know one job to you know another character that's already there anyway. I think he was just trying to keep it as clean as possible. I mean, this was an yeah. epic episode. This was very macro level. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to have too many extraneous characters in there. And I I think Draw would definitely be one of those. And so would Garibaldi. I mean, Garibaldi was never one of the the big you know huge epic guys. He was much more the smaller things. That's true. Yeah, he's not the Avengers. He's more like Daredevil and Spider-Man if you, in right, terms of right. street level. Yeah, yeah, and, and there wasn't anything in the way of fat to trim off of this episode. This episode had right. already been trimmed down to where every single frame was important to what happened. So. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so which is kind of the way the whole season four goes in a way is, is, the, same, mm-hmm. is, is the same thing. So for reasons that we've talked about. Okay, right. um, but like I said, I, I put out the call a week or so ago to our patrons on the Patreon page that if they had comments or questions about this episode, to go ahead and send them to us. And for about a week, we only had one. And in the last couple of days, we've gotten quite a few. So I appreciate our patrons kind of rallying here at the deadline and giving us lots of good questions and comments, which we'll get to. We'll probably do that on the next episode. We'll probably save the discussion of the of the of the patrons. Um, but just go, let me go ahead and tell you, we're going to record both episodes tonight if we have the time. And so there's a, there's a cutoff of whatever, whatever was up today got in anything that you guys post after today will have to go into the four Oh seven episode. Right. I'll be happy to put it in there. I'm just saying, don't feel like we left anybody out on purpose. We had to have a deadline. It's today. Uh, anything else that goes up there, we'll put in four Oh seven. All right. This episode, Into the Fire, P5 rating 9.3, one of the highest. One of the highest. Um, that's the rating of the original viewers watching it back that went on to the midwinter.com slash lurk. Actually, back then it had a different name and voted. This is production number 406 from February 3rd, 1997. So I was teaching at a... At a um, I, was, I was a college professor then, too, but I was teaching some... Uh, joint enrollment classes for graduating seniors, and I was recording these episodes 
taking the VHS tape to the high school when I taught that class. And while they were at lunch, I was watching this episode. And you better believe we didn't get a lot done in class this day. <laughs> they came back from lunch and they're like, are you still watching that show? I'm like, shh. <laughs> and we all sat there and watched the last 10 minutes of episode 406. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You can't expect me to talk about the three branches of government now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We had to call everything off here. We can talk about the shadows and the vorlons if you want to, but that's about it. So written by JMS, of course, and directed by Kevin Dobson. I meant to I meant to do some research on Kevin Dobson because that's another one of those names that pops up occasionally, but um, I'm not... You know, it's again, I, I was very surprised that the... Um, that the the people that end up directing a lot of these season four episodes are not the ones I thought they would be. I would, if you had asked me, I would have bet you five American dollars that that either Adam Nimoy or Janet Greek or David Eagle, right? Or, or, or one of or one of the the four or five we have on our yeah Mount Rushmore, yeah Mount Rushmore, yeah. Um, well, I can tell you this: Kevin Dobson is an Australian. Uh, who did Savages Crossing, The Virgin of Juarez, and Squizzy Taylor. So I guess he's done some movies of one level or another. Yeah. But uh, he also directed part of The Thornbirds. And, oh, he, he directed a couple of episodes of Acapulco Heat. So clearly this man right. knows his, te- <laughs> he knows his television. Forget, don't forget the, the epic Don't Blame the Koalas. Don't. Blame Andy, whatever you do, sir, in life, don't blame the koalas. <laughs> it ain't their fault. That's right. All I right, will so. note that he also he also directed Whatever Happened to Mr. Garibaldi. He did two episodes of mm. Batman Five. This one in four oh two. Yeah. Okay. Um well, you know, um I thought he did a good job with it. I have no complaints. I thought he did fine. Yeah. I, I was impressed. I, I thought he did, for as uh, on a technical level, this this episode had a lot going on. So he had to have you know he had a lot of a lot of uh, uh, irons in the fire that he had to keep you know pay attention no to and all that stuff. Very effects heavy and and a lot of different uh, a lot of different um, on scene things. You know, I mean, he had he he was doing it in Centauri. He was doing it on on the uh, the spaceships and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. he had a lot going on, and, and I thought he did a, a very good job. There was a couple scenes where he did spectacular. I thought the, the scene with Lando Malari when he was raging after he found out that Morden ordered the, the death of his, his lady friend. I thought that was oh, when, yeah. they did the, when they did the steady cam. I thought that was really cool. I've got stuff to say about that when we get to it in a bit. But, um, you know, when you think about it, one of the things that is impressive to me about this show, and it's the same thing that's always been impressive to a degree about like Doctor Who, is that it's made on such a low budget that, and we've talked a lot over the over our many podcasts about the budget and how it, the ramifications yep. of either they come up with something incredibly creative, or we're sitting there going, "Oh, what is that?" You know, it's 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 one right. of the two, right? It's either like, right. "Wow, they did a great job with what they had there." Or oh my gosh, why did they think that was a good idea, right? So yep. with the with the you know the retired the trophy was the council chamber I think, but um, but um, <laughs> with but with this one though, think about it. With this one, you had like the throne room on Centauri Prime, 
And by the way, I love how when they went to Narn, it was still the throne room on Centauri right. Prime. It was the same. <laughs> they just, they the changed same. the lighting. They, they even mentioned something about that in that episode. So, uh, yeah, we try to replicate the throne room as much as possible. It's like, yeah, right. you just changed the light bulbs. You just changed the light bulbs. <laughs> it's great. Um, but, I mean, that's how you save money. That's how you get the thing in on $5 an episode, which is like the budget they had. But, yeah, it was like half the show was set in uh, the throne room and adjacent to it. And then... The yeah, and then the other part was pretty much uh, on board the White Star. There was a yeah. little Babylon 5, a little whatever else, but it was mostly the bridge of the White Star, or two different right. White Stars. And, right. um, yeah, and I mean, and that, and yet it, and yet it felt like this giant galactic thing right. that we were watching. Well, just the way they shot that scene in the garden from the perspective of Morden's head looking down, yeah. that saved them the whole budget of, you know, having this huge garden. You know, and then they would look up in the sky, and they have a very effective scene of the mm-hmm. the Vorlon planet killer eclipsing the, the the Centauri sun. I thought that was yeah, that was a great use of of the their their budget. Yeah, you're right. From those three perspectives, you got the sense of a vast open area, but yet all we ever saw was the sky, and then back down into the garden, and then out like the door into it, just in a short right. And yet, it gave the illusion of being bigger. It really is smart what they can pull off with uh, yep. with set designs and all. Again, I got a little bit to say about that too. So, um, all right, notable guest stars this episode. I didn't get the name of one. We had Ed Wasser as Mister Morden, and of yep. course, the great Wayne Alexander back as Lorian again. Yeah, yep. this is the last episode for both of them. Right now, Ale- Wayne Alexander may come back as a Drazi or something later, and probably does because he's kind of a utility infielder, does everything. Mm-hmm. But in terms of those two big characters, this is the last time we see. Um, it's also technically the last time we see the Kosh suit. This is true. Yeah, um, but the one that I didn't get his name was Minister Durano. Minister Durano was played by. Uh, dun, let me dun, see here. Dun. I have it right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Minister Durano is so dumb. How dumb is he? He's so dumb. He told Londo that it was. You know. All right. Anyway. Um, all right, Alex. Uh, who was Julian Barnes? God, that dude looked like a Julian Barnes. I'll totally buy that. <laughs> I'll totally buy that. Well, it's good because. Uh, I, the reason I like Minister Durano, he's a very good Babylon 5 CCG card game card. Mm. As you might guess, he's got a lot of the intrigue stat. I'm sure he does. It's, I think it says Centauri Spymaster, Minister Durano. Right. And, he's got like and a, I thought, I, I really enjoyed the, the, the character. is really cool because most Centauri are so over the top and, yeah. and you know, flamboyant and all that stuff. He was very, I mean, he had the hair, of course, but mm-hmm. he was very, I mean, he was very competent, very down to earth. He wasn't, you know, trying to assassinate anybody or anything like that. I mean, he today. just gave, <laughs> today, right. He just gave, he flat out gave the information that, that was, you know, that he thought was important and went out with his business. I thought that it was, it was when, well done. When I, Lando understated. told him, get out. Right. <laughs> but you're right. Um, the thing about him was, I saw in him one of those French courtiers who was able to serve Louis the Sixteenth and Napoleon and Louis the Eighteenth. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yep. Whoever's in charge, that's my boss. I serve the state. Yeah. Yep, exactly. That, yeah. So I'm sure he had no problem serving 
Cartagia the lunatic, and he has no problem serving Londo. So, yep. yeah, interesting. Really good. But, yeah, he is a very good Babylon 5. He probably got like a six or seven intrigue. I remember I like to put him out whenever I can. Um all right, so we're going to go through some of the stuff here, and we're going to save a lot of it for the next episode because it goes pretty deep. I don't think I have like 24 pages this time, but I got a good bit. So, uh, what kind of random factoids and notes do you have for 406 into the fire? I, you know, the only thing that I found was, uh, and I did some research on this, but I, I couldn't find really anything except that during the, I always wondered why during the 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 scene when the uh, on on board the um, the White Star when um, Sheridan is being interviewed by the the uh, uh, Vorlons, it's a woman in an ice cube. Yes. yes. Now I found out why that was. Okay. And the the reasoning behind that was because the she represented the rigidity and unyielding nature of the Vorlons. Yeah, I like it. And I thought that was really cool. And then on the other hand, Delenn had all of the people that she knew. That mm-hmm. represented the way that the shadows worked. They tried to; they were insidious and tried mm-hmm. to, you know, tried to get you to do their their bidding through uh, subterfuge and through lies and and stuff like that. So I thought that was really interesting. Why they they had those two different? Because it it was starkly different, and it was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, that's that's kind of you know, kind of jarring between the two. But then it made sense when I read that. They were starkly different, but you know what they both had in common? What's they, that? inexpensive right yeah i thought that was extreme because the the girl in the ice cube it was so alien looking and so i guess science fictiony you know mm-hmm. i thought that was really cool i didn't understand why they did it but i thought it was it was neat the way they did it it reminded you know, it me of it reminded me of something off of space 1999 back in the mid yes. 70s Yes, absolutely. It was. It, I mean, she was just frozen there, and it, it was just a, a a woman standing in a <laughs> you know in a plexiglass square. Well, but I've was, got was, I've got information right. about that. I'll give you in just a second. But let me all tell right. you. Yeah, it would have been totally space nineteen ninety nine if 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 um, Sheridan had gone up to her and and she had said and the throat had flashed and in a very British accent she had said, <laughs> "People of." Babylon 5. <laughs> this is the voice of the Vorlons. Because that's, spa- that's every episode of season one of Space 1999. Right. Some right. British voice going, people of Moonbase Alpha. I love it so much, though. I, I swear. But anyway. Um, yeah, so, all right. Well, let me go ahead and skip down to that then, because I have a bunch of notes. I found the original art department note from JMS telling them how to do this. Okay? Oh, wow. So it's called Limbo Set Number 1 and Limbo Set Number 2. Oh, by the way, the with Delenn, it was also, you're exactly right, but it's also supposed to represent chaos because it was different people coming at her from different right. directions, right? Whereas right. the order person was not only in one place, they were frozen in one place, okay? Yeah. I the There's a sketch on this page. I can't show you, obviously, because we're on audio, um, the listeners, but um, if you go out and Google it, there's a sketch, and you can get a better idea of what JMS had in mind from the sketch than what they were actually able to do. Because I, the first time I watched this episode, I remember thinking, I think she's in a block of ice, but I couldn't swear to it, right? And if you look at it, 
the sketch looks like she's in a solid block of ice. The, in other words, the block is a lot smaller. It's, she looks like Han Solo in the carbonite almost. You know what I mean? Ah, gotcha. And then you're like, okay, now I get it, right? But they kind of put her in like a phone booth with wavy walls. And right. it, it did it quite. But yeah, that was fine. All right, so here's what it says. Limbo set number one and number two. Walls will be arranged in a curved fashion. Need a hollow, translucent, quote, block of ice, unquote, to be cast from resin for a woman to stand in. She will stand on a block of plexi, which I think is cool they put my name in there, uh, and, a, <laughs> and appear to be suspended within it. So in other words, she's standing on something transparent within something transparent. So it looks like she's not floating, but just kind of in a block of ice off the ground, right? Off right. the floor. The block of ice will be on a pedestal and keynotes, which I guess are little spotlights, will be mounted within it, shooting upwards. And that gives you that whole spooky Halloween campfire, you know, the light coming up in the year 2000, you know, that whole thing, right? Okay, Uh, then it says several duplicate miniature half-scale block of ice, not blocks, but said block, will be cast from candy glass, and then FX will blow it up. Did they blow up the ice cube? Did I miss that? I did not see that at all. I, I bet they did it and it looked stupid and they decided to leave it out. That could very well be. Yeah. And then it says a metal choker with a glowing jewel on the throat that will be on a dimmer switch for when she speaks. So there you go. That, that That's the note that JMS sent the art department to... Uh, I thought that was really cool. Just to be able to... Fi- when I found that, I'm like, oh, that's something I was not aware of and I'm excited to find that out, so... Um, here's one more, by the way, since we're talking about the art department. He also told the art department, um, for the different white stars interiors, so you know you're on different ships, JMS yep. said, there will be a change in graphics, neon colored lights, and some dressing to define the different white star ships. Kurt, and I don't know who Kurt is, he's probably in the credits somewhere, will keep track of these changes for continuity purposes Lighting will change the gel color in back wall sweeps. So I guess they used gel like uh, over the light to make different colored ambiance. You know, right. that that would be my guess. So I was excited. I found I just happened to find those when I was Googling around looking for, any, you know, any more information. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. So that is cool. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'm going to give you just a handful of uh, like show reaction more show-related factoids now, and we'll save the deep-dive stuff other than that one. You brought that up. I thought it would be good just to kind of flesh it out, okay? It's but, a good one. Yeah, but otherwise, I'm going to save them for the, for, the, for the feedback show. All right, so here's a couple of things. This is the episode that the never-completed Sierra FX computer game was named after, and I voted for that. I remember oh, wow. I remember when it came out on the internet, I forget which, what the platform was, but I was I was never one of those genie early Babylon 5 people, but I was right in there once it got started. And I remember JMS sent out like a post on a message on a on a Usenet, you know what I mean, back in the day, right? Oh yeah. He put a post out there saying we want to know they want to know what to call the computer game. And he said, I've picked a few episode titles. Which one do you like for this game? And I, I don't think it was Coming of Shadows. There was like the, maybe it was The Long Night, Into the Fire. There were a couple of others. And um, Into the Fire won. So that, that's what I voted for. I thought that was the best name. Um, I have a lot to say about 
And some of our listeners, some of our patrons are cued into this. They're guessing what our reactions will be. Oh, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is going to be fun. But uh, this episode sounds like, from the name, it's going to be some kind of super action thing. Into the fire! Fire, fire! <laughs> fire, 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 Beavis! <laughs> Shut up, Beavis. <laughs> no, fire, fire! That's what it sounds like. But actually, the title refers to the idea of a crucible where two separate elements are brought together in fire, in fire. Well, two separate elements are brought together in fire to forge something new. And I have a very interesting thing coming up in our, in our, in our feedback episode about that exact thing. It was said much better by somebody else than I could say it. So you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna enjoy that. And of course, it also refers back to the coming of shadows when the emperor said, "How will this end?" And Kosh said, "In fire." I could just keep saying that all night. I'm having too much fun with it. But that was the remember that was the callback, right? So. Yep. Okay. Um, let me see. Oh yeah. Okay. Here's a good one. My girlfriend at the time was a huge Babylon 5 fan, too. You might have seen pictures of her in her Delenn costume when I was in my Sheridan costume, okay? Yep. She, uh, when this aired, she somehow missed it. And I didn't know she'd missed it. This was right before, this was before we were dating. We, were, we, we knew each other. We were both going to, we were both, at em, both students at Emory, but we hadn't right. started dating yet, okay? But we knew we were each fans, so we would talk about it. So she... <laughs> She, she called me or emailed me or something, and she said, I just watched episode 7, 407, and they're like, yay, we won the Shadow War. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> she's like, what? She almost <laughs> fell out of her chair. And so she's like, do you have a copy of it? I'm like, yes, yes, I'll get you a copy. She's like, ah. She was losing her mind at the thought that she had gone through all you know four seasons to that point. And then missed the missed miss the, the end. Oh my wow. gosh, that was so funny. Yeah, um, I did note, and you will appreciate this that I was thinking of this. That, like I said, we just haven't gotten much of Franklin this season. I mean, I don't think he's right. really done much of anything. I guess he checked out Garibaldi, checked out his checked him for implants or whatever. Right? Yep. He wasn't in the last episode at all. No, I didn't think so. So. Well, we know everybody was in the summoning, so he had to have been in right. there. But that was—I think—that was about it. Right. Um, I ha- what about the effects? So this was interesting. Uh, after season three, I believe it was um, the the producers, and that's mostly Netter and Copeland, not JMS, right? They decided to stop using foundation imaging for the CGI. They created their own in. If I'm, if I have this correct, and if anybody you know knows differently, please correct me. It's been a long time since I've thought about it. But they went to their own in-house digital video company called Netter Digital, which is Douglas yep. Netter, right? Yep. Uh, there's no 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 uh, word on whether he suffered from Netter's disease. But up, but but um, do you remember Netter's disease? That that was used briefly when uh, was that the Earlier one when Lynn? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think it was what was that was when Lanier was trying to get the guy to stop pawing on him or something. He said he had Netter's yeah, syndrome. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Anyway, so people were saying, "Oh, the effects are going to get worse. The effects aren't going to be as good." And if you look at this season now, I don't think they were right. Right. Um, so uh, JMS said that arguably they got better. They could be supplied faster, 
and this episode was supposed to be an example of how they could now do more effects in one episode without having to deprive like the next four episodes of all their external shots. Like, because you know, usually when they do an episode like this, you then get three or four episodes in a row of Garibaldi, the private detective, or something. You know, one mini spaceship, one mini spaceships for about three episodes if you had an episode like right. this, right? So. Well, and the effects in this one were spectacular. I mean, yes. the space scene, when they were attacking that Vorlon outpost and they were weaving oh in and God. out of the towers and shooting, and the, oh, it was just spectacular. I mean, it was something that Star Trek would have never been able to accomplish with, with what they were doing on their shows. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, let's see. Again, I'm just looking at like the technical points for this one. The population of Coriana Six is twice as large as the population of Centauri Prime. That surprised me. Centauri Prime is dis- not that big. We had discussed that. No, well, we had discussed that before. They mentioned that a few episodes ago, and uh, the reason they gave was because they were a culture and a civilization in decline. Yeah. So I mean, like, I mean, look at Japan today. Japan today is is. Mm. I'm not saying that their culture is in decline, but due to their whatever they have very low birth rates in japan and that there are whole cities in japan that are you know ghost towns well china is i know yeah china is in negative population growth right now they're actually they're going to be smaller than india this year right um yeah i well and for story purposes purposes you had to there are no story porpoises i don't know what I'm talking about. for story <laughs> purposes um they had to say centauri prime was smaller because otherwise the Army of Light would go into Centauri Prime and the battle would have been right. there. And interestingly, right. interestingly, that would have fit in with the idea of Centauri Prime being damaged in the war. Remember from War Without End. So right. I continue. I feel like at this point in my Babylon 5 fandom, I feel like I have a good handle on 99% of Babylon 5 lore to, to a greater or lesser degree. I feel like you and I have a, both of us have a good handle on it now. I still don't understand the timeline with Centauri Prime. I don't. You could explain it to me. You could draw me a a diagram using the the Ottoman Empire as a base. (laughs) Call back. And I still wouldn't understand it, and I'm never going to understand it because I'm not convinced JMS understands it. It, there, it just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. There, there is there is one person I bet knows that I bet understands it. Who's that? Jan Schroeder, super Who's Babylon Jan? Five fan, bigger than us. She knows everything about that show. She, uh, you're on the Facebook group occasionally, right? The Babylon Five. I fan. am. Oh yeah. She's the one that comes on and says, "No, no, it's like this." Oh. I, and God, I, God I, love her. She knows, and she's right. I'm not. I'm not cracking on her. I'm praising her. She's she knows yeah. this stuff like you know, like it's her own family. Um, it takes a lot for me to admit somebody knows Babylon Five better than I do. She knows <laughs> Babylon Five better than I do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll I'll, I'll admit it. Um, I, I, you know what? I just blame it on Babylon Four, and then <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, all, I like it's that. It's all because of War Without End, so, it's you know, I all, just turned off, like, whatever. It's, it's, and, Andy to JMS, it's all War Without End's fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's so good. All right, I can't I can't touch that. I'm moving on. Um, I, Londo and Veer openly talk about having killed the Emperor in front of a guard. I noticed that, too. <laughs> I'm like, keep it down? <laughs> are we are we so secure now, Londo, that we can just talk about this stuff in front of people? Really? 
I mean, I know he's dead, but what a you know from they might have revenge. They might that might have been his favorite guard, right? I don't know. I don't know. In ancient Rome, the Praetorians were notorious for killing one emperor and replacing him with another. Yeah, I just think you keep it on the down low, bro. Right. Okay. Um, did you notice what st- what strategy Sheridan used to attract the attention of the shadows and Vorlons? <clears throat> Oh, yes. Yeah, he pulled out the old nuke and the asteroid trick again. The old nuke. The the old hide the nuke and the asteroid. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, he went back to the, you you don't really go back to the well, right? For the same, it just shows how, I guess, overconfident the Shadows and Vorlons were that they didn't stop and study human Minbari military military history. Kosh would have known. Kosh would have been like, hold on, guys. There's asteroids out it, there. It's smiling Johnny. Back off. Look out. <laughs> Look out, man. But uh, but no, old, old Cash and his... Well, he's dead too. But Old Cash's crowd, they're a cocky yeah. bunch. And they're like, the humans cannot hurt us. <laughs> oh, I guess I was wrong. Whoops. No, this is what you heard. This was the last thing heard before uh, Sheridan's nuke went off. Oh, crap. <laughs> So I did think it was neat that he went back to the well one more time, and it and it worked. Can't argue with success. Um, there's a few things that are going to be addressed in the spoiler space here. Did you notice Veer's hair was much longer? Yeah, he's got more status as of this episode, and so he's got like the big hair now. It's not like his little stubby thing. It's more. It was, right. and it suit. I thought he looked good as as good as you can look with that haircut or hairdo. I guess is a better way to put it. Right. And and honestly, I've always felt that the only Centauri that looks like it was supposed to be is Londo. Which makes sense because the haircut was, that hairdo was invented for him. And right. then they had to make all the other Centauri something similar. Right. <laughs> he's He's got a headpiece on. That's all fake. And I feel like these other guys, they just kind of moosh their hair up with moose. <laughs> and it just... It doesn't give the same effect. Londo looks like Napoleon with his hat attached to his head. <laughs> Everybody else looks like they just rolled over in bed and there was some hair gel in the bed. The Minister of, in- uh, of Intelligence, I mean, he looked like he had a bouffant going on. He looked like Elvis <laughs> Centauri, you know? He was, All right. that, was, that was some serious hair right there. That I, was pretty I, cool. I have nothing bad to say about Minister Durano because he will mess you up. <laughs> <laughs> Minister, you look spectacular. Look stunning. In purple, you, you are stunning. You look very um, sharp. Look very sharp. sharp. Um, the again, I'm just hitting some of the technical things. We'll get into the discussion ones in the next episode. The space background in the opening sequence was from the Hubble, and they start using that a lot now. Yeah, well, that's because Hubble just took that exact picture two years before this episode aired. So there we go. Using state of the art. Uh, uh, technology there. And it looked good. I like that Babylon 5 gave you a colorful outer space and not just yep. your standard Star Trek everything is black with little white dots moving around. Yep. It looks so good. It did. It, it looked spectacular. The whole the whole outer space sequences, they all looked spectacular. And, and it, looked Cru- like, it looked like space. And Crusade looks even better. When we get to Crusade, the, the space backgrounds in Crusade, which you get probably even more there than you do on Babylon 5, honestly. Yeah. They just look gorgeous because they're in higher yeah. resolution, it seemed like. I don't know. It seemed like it. Maybe right. not. Uh, let's see. It looked like Londo was blowing up Sicily. Yes. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah. I was like, that looks like the boot 
of Italy over to the left. It looked like uh, it looked like the the Apple TV uh, screensavers. Have you, have you do you have those? Do you have an Apple TV that does the screensaver I, of the? I of, do. Yeah. I love I love that. I would rather watch that than most of the things that, I, that are on my TV. <laughs> I just love when the orbiting the Earth pictures come on. Yeah. And and uh, when it shows Italy, I mean that's Cellini, man. Yeah. Well, you know, it, uh, that may have been intentional because the whole Centauri empire and the roman empire and yeah it was all very very well, roman well you know what other problem londo just fixed no no centauri mafia <laughs> <laughs> he just took out organized crime in yeah. one shot brother yeah. they're done get rid of sicily and you're you're in the clear it's done it's done darn sicilians oh man uh make a good pizza uh <laughs> let's see um i'm just marking stuff that we've talked about so we don't talk about it twice I'll save that one. Okay, oh, I'm saving. I got a big one for you, but I'm saving that. All right, here's some unanswered questions. What lies beyond the galactic rim, and why do all the elder races want to go there? That's a good question. JMS said they have a really good Taco Bell. <laughs> I don't know. They, he literally said that. I didn't make that up. That's, that joke is so lame, even I didn't make it up. But, uh, but I, wonder I like if they it. have Swedish meatballs. Andy, everybody does. Yeah, but is that just a Milky Way thing, or is that uh, a universal thing? Uh, do you think at some point they ever like go to the Andromeda Galaxy, or they just kind of stay outside the galaxy? There is a lot. People don't realize this, but there is a lot of empty space between galaxies. Oh, like yes. a lot of empty space between galaxies. I've written 20 science fiction novels. Well, not all of them are science fiction. Most of them. And in them, long ago, I, re- I decided I was never going to go outside the galaxy because it's so freaking big enough just inside our galaxy. There's, you know, in fact, I think in, uh, in my Legion trilogy, the big threat comes from just outside our galaxy. So it's not that far away in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, I, it, it just seems insane. But I'll, I'll, bear with me here for a second. There's a, there's a novel. There's actually two novels that are related, but the one I'm going to talk about uh, by Werner Vinge called uh, A Fire Upon the Deep, one of my favorite science fiction novels. And in it, the closer to the core of the galaxy you get, things move slower. Spaceships can't go faster than light. Nothing can go faster than light. And mental processes slow down. So like if a human were living really close to the core of the galaxy, he'd barely be a caveman. And computers would be down to like an abacus. Okay? Wow. As you, as you, they're called the zones of thought. When you move out toward our edge of the Milky Way, now ships can go almost light speed and you can have computers like we have. And when you go outside the galaxy, you can have faster than light travel and computers can transcend and become gods. And humans and living beings can. And so outside of the galaxy are like these godlike mental entities that have just transcended the speed of light and the restraints of the physical universe as we as we know them. I love that. That book is so good because it has so many ideas like that where, you know, if like there's some horrible uh, malevolent force that's coming in, you try to trap them near the center of the galaxy and then there's like a fly in amber. They can't move, but they move very slowly, you know. It's a neat idea. That is fascinating. I'll have to look that one up. God, it's so good. I love that book so much. Yeah, it's called A Fire Upon the Deep. Some great ideas. And there's a, there's a character that reminds me kind of of some of the characters in Battle on 5 in it. Um, all right, so we decided it's Taco Bell. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, oh, yeah. Again, just a few unanswered questions. How far did Lorian's broadcast of the conversations with the Vorlons and Shadows go? Was it just Coriana 6, or did it go beyond that? Now, I'll say we do know it didn't go to Earth because, you know, mild spoiler, we later find out Earth doesn't even know the Shadow War happened. Right. So it must have been fairly limited, right? I would say so. Um, and who, I mean, I don't know how far away they're operating from, from Earth at this point. I mean, right. you know, where, where Coriander 6 is and all that stuff. Yeah, we don't know where it is. That's right. I think when, I think when they said that it was broadcast to everybody, all the races, all the major races in the galaxy were there present yes. at that battle. So I think that's who it was broadcast to, just the immediate, the immediate uh, area. Yeah, I, I would have say. something to say about that, too. So many things to talk about this. Um, yeah, yeah. That was one of those moments for me when I found out that nobody on Earth knew the Shadow War even happened. I was just kind of like, what? <laughs> what? They saved the galaxy and the stupid humans don't even know? Dude, there are people in America, Ugh. a lot of people in America today that don't even know anything about World War II. They don't even know who fought in World yeah. War II. So. It's true. I'm, I'm reading a book about the war in the Pacific right now, and it's interesting how right after Pearl Harbor... Americans were like, where is Hawaii? Because <laughs> it wasn't a state yet. And this was the first right. time that this was the first time Hawaii really got on the national radar. People didn't even know right. where Honolulu, where Pearl Harbor was. They didn't know. Isn't that crazy? It's, it's insane. It drives, it drives me insane just listening to, to stuff like that. I it does. Like, Man, that's why we are in the shape we are today. <laughs> well, it's a big part of it, no doubt. Yeah. Two more unanswered questions. Does Londo sending Veer back to Babylon 5 mean that Veer is now the Centauri ambassador? Now, Londo says he's going too, but he basically says he's just going there to hide out, right? Right. He just right. wants to get away until things cool down, leave town until things right. cool down. Because so that was, one guard, was he finally figured out that guard was standing right there when he's talking about murdering the... the <laughs> like, oh, jeez. Veer, I am getting careless. I need to get back to <laughs> Babylon 5 where I can resume my great career harassing Mr. Garibaldi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, for the listeners here, you can't see Van doing it, but he even does the face of Lando Malark. <laughs> you gotta he do the curls face. The, curl, curls I, the lip and everything. It's oh, perfect. I, I do it terrible. Peter Jurassic told me, no, no, this is not how you do it. And he showed me how to do it, and I'm just like, Peter, this is why you're great and I'm not. It's because you can do it right. and I can't. So, my, he says that's. He, he told me he says whenever I need to. He says whenever I need to get into the, into that voice, I just say my good dear friend, Mister Garibaldi. <laughs> I can't do it. God, just thinking back to those episodes and the way the characters were back then to where we were this episode, it's insane. Mm -hmm. You know, just just four four seasons ago, he was running around the Zocalo. Bumming money off of people, getting drunk, and yes. hanging out with prostitutes. I mean, That's, geez, Louise, yep, it's just yep. crazy. So he's in, he's in a, he's a regular politician, then, is what you're saying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't but think I'm, I remember. Was he? Did he ever dress in drag or anything like that? No, I don't know. No, 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 no. Oh, last one, last unanswered question: Did the dead shadow on Centauri Prime leave a body behind? That's a good question. There was right. two of them that they got. What were there though? I, they shot in two areas, but I only felt like it was hitting on on the right, on that, on Morden's possible. left, huh? That that's possible. I thought it was because you see, <laughs> it was funny. All the guards just disappeared all of a sudden. Oh yeah, I mean, they just like 
Oh, like it that, melted that away. Meme okay. of, that meme of uh, Homer Simpson backing into the shrubbery or something, <laughs> yeah. and they were gone. And then the second they were they were dead, boom, they were all right back in there. there I thought it that was kind of cool. That's I it. have an unanswered question. Oh, please. The when they were attacking the uh, the Vorlon outpost at there at the beginning. Yes. Was that? I mean, that looked like an actual city. Was mm-hmm. that a city of Vorlons, or was that? Uh, a client race of the Vorlons, like the Shadows use the Drock and stuff like that. Well, the Shadows have the Drock, among others. Are the Vorlons' main disciples the Minbari? I would say so. And is it that the Shadows' disciples stayed loyal, but the Vorlons' disciples said, get get, get lost? It's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. I was wondering that, too, because I was visualizing several glowing jellyfish going, ah! By the way, clearly I need an explosion sound on the soundboard because I'm doing way too many out of my mouth and I need to have a sound that goes... Okay. Um, All right, you know what? We're going to save the rest for the feedback show. Let's get to the category, shall we, in our remaining minutes here. Yes. What was your high point of Into the Fire? There were so many high points in this one. But the big one for me was seeing the first one's big ships in action during the battle because they made those ships look alien and completely different from anything else out there and completely different from each other. And then when they started shooting off their weapons, which was super cool to see them actually, you know, engaging in combat. Yes. They they had very different weapon styles than anybody else. It was I thought it was And just from each other. Right, and from each other, yeah. Uh, it it they, looked oh, like it looked like the art department just did a whole lot of hallucinatory drugs and then said, here's some spaceships, man. Right. And, and the spaceship designs were so cool. I mean, they were so different and unique. Uh, uh, unique, yes. And uh, they just went overboard on those things. It was spectacular. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. That was really cool. My high point of the episode is now get the hell out of our galaxy, the both of you. Yeah. And and I, I was going to play that. But A, I didn't have it set up, and B, it seemed like last time we found out you couldn't hear it. This, this is true. So, yeah. So, yeah. I and just did, did it myself. Did, uh, did Smile and Johnny get a haircut before this episode? It he had much seemed... less hair mm-hmm. than he did when, when he was, you know, Jesus Johnny just a few he, episodes ago. You're right. He, I tell you this, I thought he looked pretty cool. He looked like he did. Mr. He Leading looked like Man. A, Yep, he looked like a captain, a starship captain for sure. I'd, I would have followed him into the fire. Yep. Yeah. You know, I, I this is completely an aside, but I saw an interview with Henry Cavill where they were asking him all these random questions, and one of them was Kirk or Picard. And you know what his answer was? Ivanova. Who said that? Henry Cavill, Superman. Ah! Because he's he such gets, a huge nerd. He gets better and better. Yeah. They, they, they asked him, they looked at him and said, Kirk or Picard, he kind of looks at him askance and says, Ivanova, like, duh. Ivanova's <laughs> was, God. Yeah, that, that's what he said. He said Ivanova's God. It oh. was very cool. Well, he is, yeah, he uh, he is huge nerd, and he also is the Witcher, or has been up until now. Yeah, he was up until So he, yeah. good. He's so good on there. If, y'all got, yeah. if you guys, if you like Henry Cavill and you haven't watched The Witcher, you need to watch The Witcher immediately because he's... That, that show is great. I'm, I didn't know Henry- anything about the game or the books or anything, right. but I've really enjoyed it. Henry Cavill was not only an 
an ardent player of the games, but he read the books when they first came out in the 80s or 90s. Wow. So when they were filming some scenes, and we, we're really off on a tangent now, but when they were filming <laughs> some scenes, Henry Cavill looks at, looked at the director and said, what? No, it wouldn't happen like this. This character would be doing this instead. And the director's like, all right, let's change it. Yeah. So he was actually giving them pointers on Witcher canon from the novels mm-hmm. from two or three decades ago. That's my understanding of why he left the show now is that Exactly. Is that yep. he they, they weren't doing the they weren't doing it right. So God right, bless right. him. Good for him. Um all right. So I, I hate that we didn't get to play the clip. Maybe I'll get some into the next episode. What was your low point of this episode? My low point you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of low points. It was it was a really high energy episode, but the low point for me mm. was watching those capital ships get blown away while they were intercepting oh. the missiles. Because, you know, when we started out, when a capital ship went down, it was a big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. that when, when the Earth Force came for Babylon 5 and, and those two capital ships went down, it, that was the culmination of the whole battle. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and even earlier when they, when they took the fleet against the Shadows, you know, not too long ago, when they lost a capital ship, it was a huge deal. The the I think it was a uh, um, a Minbari cruiser was blown up, and mm-hmm. you know it was it was a big lost deal. another one. Emotional, lost right. another one in this one, yeah. Right. Oh, in this one they were just like nothing. I mean, these are yeah. big ships with a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of you know beings on them, and they were just getting blown out of the sky, and it was it was it was heartbreaking. I'm glad you you mentioned that um, because to me, and I I, I was going to say this if it ever came up, and I'm glad it did. To me, the single most important thing that happened in this episode was that the Minbari, the Drazi, and others moved their ships in front of the missiles and took the blow. That was the most important thing because that was what showed the Shadows and the Vorlons beyond any doubt that everybody was rejecting them. Right. Yep. They couldn't play us off against each other anymore. That was the right. whole thing, right? They had been dividing and conquering, dividing and conquering, and the they were saying we are united as us. We're not. Re- we're not united with you. We're not united with them. We're united as us. And if you try to destroy us, we're going to sacrifice us to save us from both from the both of you. Right. That that to me was the key to the whole story right there. Right. This this isn't Babylon 5 in the League of Non-Aligned Worlds, you know, doing diplomatic diplomatic shenanigans to get them there like it was just a few episodes ago. Right. This is everybody they have bought in. They have bought all, in. Yeah. That all is all the way with this. Yep. It was yeah. That was absolutely was great. Well, and, and I think that was brilliant. I'm glad you mentioned that. I really am glad you because I wanted to say that. I thought that was a good point, but I Never typed it into my notes, so thank you. Okay, my low point. You, you are always. Um, <laughs> there were two. One, actually, no. It's it's all the same thing. I'm sorry, I had two separate notes about it, but it's the same thing. Londo finding out about Adira. Yeah, that was tough. And he goes, he played me. He played me like a puppet. I didn't know you played puppets, but okay, Londo. I think we kind of understand what you meant there. We get the sense of it, right? Um, the, the thing about that was, for a while, I was wondering if and when Londo would ever find that out. 
And then I kind of decided it was just never going to come up again. It was just something that happened to cha- to move the plot along. It was it was something that JMS put in there to move the plot along, and it was never going to come up again. And then I just forgot about it entirely. So the first time I watched this episode, when that came up, when Durano brought that up, I was like, "Oh crap, that, <laughs> that." And when it when I was watching it the other day for this, and he brought it up, I was like. Oh crap! <laughs> That's that. I'd forgotten again. Yeah. So yeah, it seems like something that just slides off into the history, and you're never gonna. It's never gonna. You know, it's gonna right. be like. It's gonna be like uh, Catherine Sakai. You know, here today, never mentioned again. But in unless in a book. But but yeah, that <laughs> that and and here's the other thing. It let Londo get a scene just like Garibaldi got couple of episodes ago both of them got to run around a set destroying things yep yep that was pretty cool and he and uh peter jurassic said we can only shoot that once he said (laughs) you know we 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 had a i i had to do my best acting there because we only had enough budget and time to shoot that scene one time i couldn't rebuild all the stuff yeah well just like with garibaldi he tore everything up they're like oh there we go (laughs) wow i'm sorry jakar never got that scene but Current yeah. Jakar wouldn't do it. Oh, season right. one Jakar would have happily torn apart a set, I think. Right. He'd have torn it up. He'd have torn Londo up, too. All right, so that was pretty cool. Um, what was your most Babylon 5 scene? Oh, God. can I just say the whole episode? Uh, uh, well, let me just go ahead and jump ahead of you then, Andy. I said the whole thing, good <laughs> Lord, in all capital letters. So, yes, you <laughs> yep. can. I'm going to say the the final scene when uh, Sheridan and Delenn were, were shuttling over to Babylon 5 and he gave that monologue about uh, the, the Third Age and where they came from and where they were going. I, that just uh, yeah. summarized you know, yeah. Babylon 5 right there. So I thought, I thought that was very... We don't have to be afraid of shadows anymore. Yeah. Just Clark. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, little does he know. Mm-hmm. No, I put the whole thing because yeah, I mean this whole ep- we talked about. There's no fat on this episode. There's no extra, right. and it, the whole Nothing, thing is yeah. just one giant Babylon. One of our patrons had a guess, and we'll get to that later. But they were they were wrong, but they were kind of right. So we'll leave it at that. I did use the scene that they predicted just earlier. All right, so yeah, I agree. So what was your favorite character moment? And man, again, there's <laughs> you can say the whole oh, episode. Man. Right, it, it was there was a lot, but my favorite was uh, the scene with with Londo and Veer. Right, right after uh, Veer came in, and and Londo was very giddy and happy and 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 drunk on his success. That you know he finally got all the shadow influence away, and you know directed Veer out, and Veer did the little wave at at Moore, oh, and I thought yeah. that was really cool. And then when you know when the the shadow came over, when the the Borlon Planet Killer blotted out the sun, and Veer looked at him and just kind of pointed at him and then mm, yeah, Londo, yeah. Londo, yeah that was very direct Londo's, for veer i thought i was surprised yes. that he did that yeah and and londo's response i mean he didn't even think twice about it he just said kill me you have to kill me. well he's gonna die anyway right it's like they're right. him and everybody or him right i thought that was, i thought that was really cool a very yeah. powerful londo moment well and I, I this wasn't one i had but i do like it it comes to mind a lot I love at the very end. Is you're right. When they first think they've won, Londo's pretty giddy. Once they do win, and it's like they've gotten, the, they've obviously gotten the word from Coriana Six and everything. Londo's a little more reserved now. It's like, kind of like he's afraid to jinx it again, and we'll get to that in a second. Right. <laughs> right. And 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 Londo is like, you know, Veer, 
I think about this war being over, and I find I can't quite wrap my brain around it. And <laughs> I, I just love that line so much. And 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 Veer, I don't know how to feel about it. And Veer's like, well, the the war is over. We did win. The shadows are gone forever. The Vorlons are gone forever. Yeah, I think you should be happy. And so I, I really like that exchange a lot. That's a really good exchange. Yep. But but here's what I had. Uh, in in third place, I thought Ivanova has some nice moments here, including that scene with Lorian that was brought over from the last episode, and we can talk mm-hmm. about how they had to restructure it. People, a couple of patrons had questions about that, and it really had to do with moving it from one episode to another. They had to change some stuff. Right. That's in there, because she had some really nice moments there, as she always does. Yep. Uh, my second place goes to Marcus for, did we just win? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't jinx it. That was so good. He just kind of summed it up in one yeah. astonished gasp. You know, did we just well, win? I think he was voicing the the uh, he was the the what do you call that when the audience was was having those exact same yeah they that, needed that, to know did, moment. Right. did I just see what I think I just saw or right, did I exactly. misunderstand something? Yeah. Well, you had to understand your way out of this crisis. And I wasn't entirely sure I was understanding my way through it. So, yeah, you kind of needed to know for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And my winner for favorite character moment goes to the Vorlon and the Shadow, who are so cute. I went back and showed that whole scene to Mira. I'm like, Mira, these are the two most powerful alien races that dominate the galaxy. They are frightening and terrifying and powerful beyond anything we can imagine. And watch him, and he's like, "Will you come with us? We won't be alone." And Mira's just like, "Oh my gosh!" She was just dying because it's great. I love it, but it is pretty funny. Yeah. You got to admit when the little yeah. shadow like wingles his little right. fingers together and goes, "Will you come with us?" And I'm just like, "Oh god!" I'm not supposed to be sympathetic to the shadows and want to pet them. I suddenly want to pet the shadow. I don't want to pet the shadow. I think that's exactly what they were going for. That was a very effective way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was a total. I don't want to say a face turn using wrestling yeah. terms, but it it was it was definitely it turned them from from antag- evil antagonists to you know protagonists. Almost. All right. I mean, it was you, it was very effective. You know what it was when you said that made me think of this. Here's what it was. It's been the shadows and Vorlons were the parents, and we all were the children. Yeah. Now it's the Shadows and Vorlons are the children, and Lorian is the parent. So yeah. when they're talking to Lorian, suddenly they're like little kids. Yep. Exactly. When they talk to us, they're like, "You will obey because that is the only way it will be." Whoa. And then they talk to yep. Lorian, and they're like, "Can we have ice cream with this?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. We want spoo. Exactly. So yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly it. But that was yep. my favorite character moment just because I've never gotten to say a shadow and a Vorlon together got best character moment. So there we are. There I you finally go. got to say it. <laughs> All right. So it kind of raises it. That might have been my funniest moment too, honestly. What, but it's not. What was your favorite funny moment? The funniest moment to me was when, <laughs> at the very beginning when they were when the Londa went into the throne room and then, and then sat down on the, the, the throne and the minister's like, Londo! Yeah. And he jumped, he jumped up real quick and said, oh, of course, of course. Then he looks at me and he goes, it did feel natural, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, we that know hilarious. We know some things. And we've seen some flash forwards, right? So right. It did, it did seem, yeah, very natural. 
Uh, you Just gotta the, say the, the delivery was funny. It was great. Well, he's always great. Uh, yeah. We have to say Susan accidentally ordering the White Star's weapons to fire by saying "Ah hell!" Ah hell! Over the top. I mean, little bit, little bit. And but my favorite funny moment was when when Lotto has him shoot the shadow, and then he says. I would have to have that painted over, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Where it blew a hole in the wall. Oh, that was good. That was a that was a good Londo line. I have to have that painted over. That's really good. All yeah, right. This was the most emotion we've seen from Mr. Morden the entire series. Oh. But it was good because he was pan- It was good. He 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 turned on a dime from smug, confident, you know what, to oh crap, I'm yeah. soiling my pants right now as we speak. That was so yep. I mean, that's such a payoff, right? We've waited for so right. long. We've waited for 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 evil Rod Serling to end up in the Twilight Zone himself and not know what to do. And oh man, oh that was yes, one of, the most sat- one of the most satisfying moments in my television viewing experience. <sighs> oh yes, your ships are very impressive on the ground. How oh, they can hear you coming. From a mile away. What are you going to do, Londo? Blow up the whole island? Well, as a matter of fact, there's my explosion again. There goes Sicily. Boom. There went the mafia. Okay. And man, Morden's freaking out. And supposedly, him freaking out and clutching at his little crystal is mentioned in a book or something later. And I can't remember which one it's referenced in, but now I've got to find out. I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, I think it, it, it does. One, one of the novel writers. Bring, it may, you know what? I think it may be in the Technomage. Oh, yeah, okay. that would make sense. Yeah, Shadow Tech. Yeah, that would make sense. So it's some kind of Shadow Tech. All right, here, here's a good one. That's not, it's not quite the big one yet. But who? I would say who won the Shadow War? Who won the episode? Man, I said everybody but Mr. Morden. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. The, yes. the, the alliance, yes. the alliance of light, won because they didn't get destroyed and they got rid of you know the shadows and the Vorlons. But the shadows and Vorlons both won as well because they got to finally let go of their past and move on to where everybody else went to, and and they got to join you know they basically got to grow up and and move on with with their lives. So I thought that was hugely important. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I had the army of light. Which kind of sums it up pretty well. You make a very good point that the Shadows and Vorlons, in a way, kind of won too, because they could l- relax and let go and go off and go to Taco Bell, you know, and stop right. stop worrying about making people fight or not fight and obey or not obey. Right. Yeah, that's and, and they didn't come to direct blows and, and kill each other either. Yeah, it, I mean, for a second, it looked like they were going to. That was yeah. the Crucible, right. and then yeah, and I've got a lot to say about that in our second part. So we'll leave it there for right now. I did note also Veer was a big winner. Londo, yeah. to a degree, was a big winner, kind of in the other plot line. But yep. here's the really interesting thing about Veer being a winner. Veer is the only person who told Morden exactly what he wanted and got it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that, was such a, that was such a great scene when he just did the little wave. He's that was the, perfect. He's the only one that didn't give something to Mr. Morden. And he's right. the only one that got what he wanted from Mr. Yep. Morden. How because about that? What he, because what he wanted wasn't selfish. Yeah. It was, and it wasn't it was, self it wasn't something Morden had to supply. Right. 
Yeah, although he kind of made it happen. He but. Finally, yeah, he finally did. Yeah, that's right. Yep. All right, well, then I think we all know who lost the episode. That would definitely be Mr. Morton. He, man, it didn't work out. He will not, in fact, be going beyond the rim with the... Now, this doesn't seem fair. The shadows put him up to all that, and yet he gets punished, and they get to go party at Cosmic Taco Bell. Yeah, you know. But if you think about it, partying at Taco Bell never ends well. No. <laughs> so... Oh, God. They, will, they will be all visiting the uh, the cosmic loo afterwards. I'm sure. <laughs> oh no! Um, I have a I have a spoiler question I'm writing down right now. I have a really big one. It may be one that everybody knows the answer to, but me, but I don't know, and so I just put it in. All right. I yeah, I agreed with you. I said the shadows and Vorlons didn't lose. They lose. They just moved out of the neighborhood. They got the hell out of our galaxy. The both of them. Yeah. All right, that's so. You, I'm glad we agree on that. I, right now, all right, here we go. See, so far you and I have been simpatico, right? I mean, we have been, you know, Pacmara and Roadkill together again, <laughs> all the way through. But I got a, I, I got a bad feeling here. I have a sinking, sick feeling here. Here we go. It's what everybody waits for. Our rating, because we don't use the P5, the whatever it's called, the P whatever P5 rating of 10. We use zero to five, including point fives if we want to. We've we've had some fives. We had Severed Dreams, I think, was a five, at least for one of us. Uh, War without end for one of us. <laughs> was Chrysalis a five? It might have been. I it don't was. Know. I think it was. Good. I never would have predicted that, but it was when we no. watched it. Yeah. They're uh, probably coming as shadows. I'm not sure. Maybe Zaha Doom. There have been a handful of fives handed out. We have not been as stingy with them as I might have thought. Severed Dreams. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that was, that's regarded as probably the best one, but. Right. So, how did you rate Into the Fire? And am I going to have to drive to Cincinnati and punch you? they, They spent like. Three seasons building up this shadow war to be this great, big, spectacular space battle. And they even, going into this episode, they promised us that it would be this great, big, spectacular space battle. And in the end, it was just the kids kicking mom and dad out and sending them off to the, the, the what do you call it, the old folks home. And it went against all expectations. <laughs> the old folks and I freaking loved it. What? I gave this one a 5.0. I would give this one a 6 if I could. This was I perfect don't have way. facts to back this up. <laughs> the, this was the most Babylon 5 way to end this episode. I mean, if you go back to the very first season, this is how they were dealing with crises and, and resolving issues, not with the expected violence, but with talking their way out of it and thinking outside the box and and twisting expectations on their side. So this was if if you guys did see this coming as the way this war was going to end, you weren't paying attention. This it's was on the you. perfect way. Yeah, it's this was on you. This was absolutely the best and I would I would argue the only way that they could have ended this war. And Andy rolls out the 5 for end of the fire and all I can say is oh for a muse of fire.
There you go. I, you know, I'm surprised you didn't have the. Uh, oh, I, I, I can't even. I forget the wrestler's name. Who was the five-time world champion? The Nature Boy Ric Flair. Five time, five time. No, it was. Uh, I forget what his name was. Had the long dreadlocks. Always did the big leg drop. I forget, but he was famous for saying he was the five-time world champion by repeating five time over and over again. Five oh, wow. times he would say that. Yeah, five so. dollar foot long. I don't know. I is there any doubt? Five We are in agreement. Yeah. This is, yeah. And here's the thing. At the time, JMS took some criticism for it. And he kind of seemed, you know him, he yeah. actually kind of seemed to relish the, 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 the criticism. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Because yeah. he understood what you understood, what I understood, which is that you have to understand not just the episode, but everybody in the episode had to understand it was a it was a war of philosophies that would be solved with philosophy, mm-hmm. and I've got some stuff to say about that. I'm going to leave it at that for now. But I've got and, I have I have things to say, and we're going to when we get into our deep dive in the next one. Right, and I'm sure a lot of the people criticizing this were conflating the Shadow War with the story of Babylon Five. The Shadow War didn't didn't even become a thing until well into the second season when when we even saw anything so the story of babylon 5 does not end with a shadow war that's why there's a whole rest of this season to go and a whole yeah so that's right yeah i i did not see it as a letdown at all i remember standing up and cheering during this episode at the very end i thought i thought it was a brilliant way to end it well, I have some stuff along the lines of what you're saying that I'm going to that, that somebody smarter than me said. All right. But I but I will say this. I remember at the time JMS referred to people who thought this should end with a big battle as propeller heads. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of dismissive and It was dismissive. Yes. All I right. mean, I, I totally Funny. understand where the critics were coming from. Oh yeah. I mean, because this was shaping up to be one hell of a, a yes. of an explosive conflict. But it wasn't about bringing the fleet together to have them fight a war. It was bringing right. the fleet together so the Vorlons and Shadows could see them together. Exactly. That's why I said the most important thing that happened was that they were willing to sacrifice for each other. That was right. what had changed. Because as yep. long as the Shadows were doing their little crap, nobody was going to sacrifice for anybody else. It was every alien man for himself. Right. And that was what had changed. Yes. Right. This and wasn't a war of one army versus another army. This no. This was a war of, like you said, ideologies. Of and ideologies, that, that's an entirely different war. I mean, we mm-hmm. won World War II. That wasn't a war of ideologies. That was a war of, you know, warlords trying to take over the world. Mm-hmm. But, but the, they had their the, the, they had their ideologies, but we still right. had to fight the war to kill them because exactly. you weren't going to sit down with Hitler and get him to go. Can you come with us? <laughs> right, right. That was not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I had a note of is simply about that is the resolution of a story is never as popular as the way you build up to it, right? Because when you're building up to it, everybody's buying in with their own ideas of what's going to happen. So right. we're all fine with going up the hill. It's right. how you end up coming down the hill. You know, there, there's, there may be 10 different ways to come down the hill, and if I've already decided I want it to be the left way or the right way or the center way, and it's not, then I'm disappointed. Right. Going up the hill, we're all going to the same place. But coming down right. the hill, we go different places, and we don't have, I'm always happy about it. This, this ending was true science fiction, not sci-fi. Thank you. You have been conditioned yes. by Star Wars 
that yes. sci-fi must be big space battles. Yes. Whereas up until that point, science fiction was much more cerebral and and had a different way of looking at things. Right. And this this harkens back to to classic science fiction. Hundred percent right. All right. Yeah, I'm prepared. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you feel this way because I was afraid. And 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 I would you know if you'd had a different view, I wouldn't have thought anything different about you. Um, because, because, but I'm just saying, because you, you can defend any position right. intelligently. Right. But I'm glad we agree because it means I don't feel like I won't be alone. <laughs> I didn't want to be like the little Vorlon being alone out here beyond the rim with Taco Bell. Right. <sighs> Good. I, All right. I, I think our big difference last time, which was war without end. I, my, our difference was more. I was looking at it from a different perspective than you were. I was looking at it from a, a writer's perspective and a story perspective and how that didn't work for me, whereas you're looking at it from a Babylon 5 perspective and how it was spectacular from that perspective. So That's fair I think enough. we've always been pretty much on the same page as far as our appreciation of yeah. the story. Yes. Very few times have I felt the need to tell you... Wrong! <laughs> <laughs> So that that's good. That's a good thing. Um, all right. We've covered pretty much the ground I wanted to cover in the just immediate reaction episode. So if you are game for it, I'm going to cut draw a line here, and then we'll come back and do our, our, our briefer standard going through some notes. Are you up for that? Is I am that, absolutely up for that. You are. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> so let me... I'm going to go ahead and then sign us off for now. Folks, we appreciate you again. Remember, go to www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. Andy and I will join you in the next episode. We're going to go ahead and record both of them tonight. This is going to be good. It's going to give us a little padding. So if something happens, somebody gets sick or has to go out of town or whatever, we you will not miss an episode. We will have it right there to plug in. We've been needing a backlog for a while, and this will be really nice. Right. This is and a this luxury. It's a, nice, a nice little thing to give to the patrons, too. Yeah, yes, so... All right, so we will see you guys in the next episode, the B5, the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. We're going out of here. Andy, we will see you in the next episode. All right. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.